Well, hey friends, thanks for joining us again today. And it's a great day because we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling the What If Experiment. And as we get started, I wanna go ahead and just be really upfront with you, kinda as we go through this series, I am going to ask something from you. But I wanna know, I want you to know, with all seriousness, I'm not asking anything from you because I want something from you. I'm gonna ask something from you because there is something that I want for you. Now, there are a lot of practical implications and applications that are going to go along with this series, and we'll get into the details of that as we kind of move along. But I just want you to know up front that my primary motivation, seriously, if you know me at all, my primary motivation behind everything that we talk about over the next few weeks is with the goal of I really do want something for you, not just something from you. And that's important. Because I'm sure you've heard statements like this before, or maybe you've even made a statement like this before. You know what? The church just wants your money. I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, you may have even said that. The church just wants your money. The church just wants your money. And, and that's something that I hear from people all the time, especially from my friends who are outside of church and outside of faith. But it's simply not true. At least it shouldn't be true. And I know that it's not true about this church. But there is so much more that we want for you than just getting something like money from you. And I want to talk about a really big one today. But it's interesting, as I begin to think about this statement, church, all they want is your money, all they want is No one ever makes that statement about other places. Like, I've never heard anyone say, you know what, Target just wants your money. Or Starbucks just wants your money. Or Costco just wants your money. Right? I, I never hear that. But guess what? All of those places, most of those places, you know, I'm not sure if all of them are there, but they care primarily only that you spend money with them, right? They're not concerned about your marriage. They don't think about new ways to improve your home life. They're not coming and visiting you when you're sick. It's just how much are you going to spend at our store? Makes me think all they want is your money. But hey, the church just wants your money. Well, enough of my rant and enough of my rabbit trail. Today, I want to talk about something that our church cares about for you. And the reason that we care about it is because your heavenly father, believe it or not, actually cares about it. And that thing that I want to talk about as we kick off this series and as we kind of approach a, a national holiday of Thanksgiving in just a few weeks is happiness. I want to talk about your happiness. So let me start by asking you a question. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Anyone ever asked you that? Right? No matter how you answer that question, most of us at some point in time would have uh, said some sort of answer that comes along with that question. We would have had an answer that said, this is what makes me happy. And a lot of times the answer to that question was around something. Right? What makes you happy? Well, this thing makes me happy. So at some point, maybe you thought that a promotion at work, that is going to make me happy. Or, or that move, if we could just make that move, that would make you happy. Or if you could just buy that house or buy a house at all, that would make you happy. Or that car or that phone or that school or that degree. You could fill in the blank with any number of things. But most, if not all of us, are guilty of thinking that some Thing will make me happy. Now, the other category that you would probably put in here, what makes you happy if someone were to ask, we have something or someone, right? Someone makes me happy. So if that certain person would just go out with you, 
you would be happy. Or if anybody would go out with you, you would be happy. Or if you could just get married to that certain person, or if you could just be a mom or be a dad, right? This would make me happy, someone. And again, we have all put someone in the place of making us happy. But if you live long enough, maybe you've lived long enough, eventually you'll have this thought about happiness. I thought I knew what would make me happy. Like, like I thought I knew that this, this really was going to make me happy, but it didn't. And that whole idea has a pretty important takeaway. And maybe this might be the one thing that you get from this message today. If you, ever, if you have ever said a statement like that, hey, I thought I knew what would make me happy, this means that you shouldn't believe everything that you think. Like, don't believe everything you think because you made decisions based at one time on I thought this would make me happy. And you were absolutely wrong. Now, nowhere does this become more important than in the area of money. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we all probably believe that there's some kind of connection between our money and happiness. Okay, I have this money, and this will make me happy. So whenever you hear someone say something, and I get it, especially preachers will make statements like this, money won't make you happy, like money's not going to make you happy, you say, well, yeah, that's right. But you don't believe that. Because none of us believe that. In fact, when you hear money won't make you happy, you probably think, well, you know what? Let's test that theory. Like, where do I sign up for that test? Because I think money would make me happy. More money would make me more happy. Now, what we're going to find out today is that there is a connection between happiness and money. All right. So the, the conclusion of today's message is not going to be money won't make you happy. Because there is a connection between happiness and money. But where we mess up and where we get this wrong is when we, need, we assume that the connection between money and happiness is this word, more. Right? If I had more money, then I would be more happy. If I could just make X amount of dollars more per year, then I would be happy. If, if I could maybe win the lottery, then I would be happy. So to kind of help us focus, let me ask you yet another kind of pesky question. How much more money would it take to make you happy? You, you've thought about this. This is not a question that you haven't thought about. How much more? Just think for a second. How much more money would it take to make you happy? Now, let me tell you. I already know the answer to this question. For every single person who is watching this or listening to this right now, no matter if you bought your furniture at Goodwill or had somebody run down to Neiman Marcus to pick up your new chaise lounge, the answer for all of us is exactly the same. How much more money would it take to make you happy? More than you currently have. Right? More than you currently have. And this is so important because no matter how much more money you have, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you drive, no matter what you wear, no matter where you live, for the rest of your life, you will always answer this question of how much more money do I need in order to have peace or to be happy? You will always answer that question with more than I currently have. Now listen, with all that said, there is a corollary between your money and your happiness, but it's not more. Because you know people with a lot more money than you have, and they're not happy. And you know people with a lot less money than you have, and they're not happy. So, 
there is a corollary between money and happiness, but the connection does not involve the word more because more money does not necessarily lead to more happiness. It's not how much more you have, but it's how you manage what you already have that determines whether or not you're going to be happy right? when it comes to your money. In other words, let me say it this way. Money contributes to your happiness if, and that is a giant if, if you manage it well. Money can contribute to your happiness if you manage it well. But if you mismanage it, it will undermine your peace and your happiness. Regardless of how much money you have, if you mismanage it, it will undermine your peace and your happiness. So, Kind of into all of this, Jesus has something to say. And what he has to say is pretty staggering. And if what he says is true, we should all rethink how we handle and treat our money. Jesus actually says that if you don't learn how to manage your money, your money will manage you. And this is where many Americans are. And quite possibly, this is where some of you are as well. And if your finances are managing you, here's what I know. You don't have peace. And the reason you don't have peace is because you feel out of control. And in any arena of life where you feel out of control, you will feel anxiety. And when you feel anxiety, it's kind of hard to be happy. So let's look together at what Jesus has to say about this whole subject. It's found in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. He starts and he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. So for Jesus, there's no middle ground. He says that you will serve one of two masters, but you can't serve them both. In fact, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then Jesus talks about these two masters. And, and I want you to pay attention to the application that Jesus lays out for us here. So he goes on and he says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. And that word that we translate as money actually has a more broad meaning in the original language. It's like stuff. It includes money, but it's broader than money. It's all the stuff that you want, the stuff that you have, and the money that you have to buy the stuff. It's just all your stuff. So Jesus says, you have to serve one of two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve your stuff, which means, and you may not agree with this, but in Jesus's way of thinking, the chief competitor for your devotion is your stuff. So Jesus is telling us God wants your devotion, but there's something else that wants your devotion as well. God wants to call the shots, but there's something or someone else who also wants to call the shots in your life, and that thing is our stuff. Now, you may be thinking, well, so Jesus what do you mean by devoted to stuff or money? I mean, that's an important question because those two words are very important. To be devoted to is like being on a quest for or having your eye on something. When you're devoted to something, it becomes the primary decision-making, right? It becomes the filter through which you make all of your decisions. So when you're looking at a decision, you look at it through the lens or the filter of what you are devoted to. So Jesus says, you may not like the word. Okay, I said love. You may not like love, so let's be honest. You're pretty devoted. Maybe you won't say love, but you're pretty devoted to your stuff. And you're pretty devoted to your desire for stuff. 
And you may say, oh, I, I, I don't bow down. I mean, I don't really love money. But Jesus says, take your devotion to money. And when you take your devotion to stuff and you measure it beside your devotion to any other thing, you may have to include you're at least pretty devoted to stuff or the acquisition of stuff. So let me ask you another really pesky question. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something? Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something? Has your desire to something ever caused you to do something stupid? Right? If you're honest, uh, I'm, I'm sure 100% of us, the answer is yes. We've made impulse buys where you, you bought something and you really didn't need it. Right? There are millions of people in debt over things they don't even own anymore. Right? We've all bought stuff and then said, why did I do that? So, let me ask the question a different way. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something you regret? You ever done something you regret because you wanted something? Yeah. I'm sure we all have done things we regret because of our desire for something. So think about this for a minute. Why do we do that? Why did we do something that later we know we're going to regret? Because your devotion, your devotion to something in that moment, it mastered you. And so why do we do that? Well, let's talk about this for a little bit. It begins with this word here, discontentment, discontentment. Discontentment is a powerful, powerful thing. Discontentment ensures that I am never satisfied with what I have because I know what you have. And since I know what you have, I know what there is to have. And the thing that drives discontentment really is this awareness. As you become aware of what there is that's out there, you become discontent. As you become aware that they've upgraded, or there's a newer one, or there's a more advanced one, you become discontent. As you become aware of what everybody else has, you become discontent. All of us can recall a time where you walked through a store, or you saw an ad, or you watched a TikTok video and saw something that you did not even know existed. You didn't know that was a thing, but now that you know it is a thing, you need it. And it took you about 30 seconds to go from didn't know it existed to, oh man, I need that. What is that? It's discontentment. And I'm telling you, discontentment is a powerful thing. It's the thing that drives us, and the thing that drives discontentment is awareness. Now, a second word that I want to talk about. There's discontentment, and then there's greed. Greed. Now, I know none of you are greedy, okay, <laughs> because you, you can't see greed in a mirror. But greed is that other person. We all say, I'm not greedy, they're greedy. It's never me. But this right here is a clear definition of, of greed. According to Jesus, right, you read everything he says, this is what Jesus would say greed is. It's the assumption it's all for my consumption. This is what Jesus, you may disagree, this is what he says greed is. It is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Greed is, if it gets placed in my hands, it's for me. And I may choose to give you a little bit because I'm a really nice person, but I don't have to give you anything because, you know, I don't have to. But since I'm nice, I will. Greed, according to Jesus, is living with the assumption that everything that comes your way is for your consumption. And if you live that way, by Jesus' definition, you're a greedy person. And here's the problem with greed. Greed is an appetite. The desire for stuff, the devotion to stuff is an appetite. And appetites are never 
fully and finally satiated. So, if you're driven by discontentment, and then you live with the assumption that everything that comes your way is for your consumption, you're going to spend everything that comes your way on you. And you're not going to stop because your appetite will never be full. Which leads us to a third word. Debt. Debt. Now, listen here really carefully. I want is better than I owe. Let me say that again. I want is better than I owe. And here's the thing. When I want something I don't have, there's going to be tension. And when I own something and have to pay for it, there's going to be tension. And we've all lived long enough to know that, that it is better to live with I want and don't have than it is to live with I owe and can't pay for it. And debt is when you become a slave to your desire. And you'll never be happy when you owe on things that you can't now make the payment. And here's the problem. I want is just between you and God, right? But once you buy it, it's not between you and God anymore. It's between you and a creditor. And that is where the stress and the anxiety begins to unfold. So let me put these three words back up here. Discontentment, greed, and debt. Discontentment, greed, and debt. I want you to look at these, and let me ask you a question. Which one of these makes you happy? Seriously, which one makes you happy? I don't know about you, but being in a perpetual state of wanting more and more, which is discontentment, <coughs> and greed doesn't make me happy because I'm never satisfied with what I have. And I really don't know anyone that says debt makes them happy. I mean, who do you know that is filled with joy when they get the credit card bill, right? None of us. <laughs> like, that doesn't make anybody happy. So here's the application. Stop. Just stop. You, you don't have to do this anymore. I mean, if you want to know how to connect your money and your happiness, you do away with these things. And then you're going to be happier, right? There is no amount of money that will eliminate discontentment. You will be discontent no matter how much money you have. There is no amount of money that will do away with greed. The only thing that addresses these things is management. It's how you manage your money. It's who is in control. It's who is the boss. So Jesus says no one can serve two masters. And he gives us an alternative. He says there is a way to submit your financial life and your financial world to God and say, God, I don't want my stuff and my money to manage me. I want you to manage me and teach me how to manage my stuff. And, and to be honest, we could spend uh, many, many, many weeks on what Jesus teaches about how to do that and how you treat your money, but you can condense it all down to two words. This is what Jesus says is the antidote to this. Generosity and wisdom. Generosity and wisdom. Go, go try this for yourself. Go find and talk to the happiest person that you know and talk to them about money. And guess what you're going to discover? You're going to discover that they're generous and they're wise with their money. And because of that, they're happy. And when you contrast generosity and wisdom with discontentment, greed, and debt, is there any competition at all? So if you want to connect the dots between happiness and money, generosity and wisdom is the way to go. 
Now, when we here at Next Level teach about giving, and we do this every week during our giving talk, there's a little principle that we use that kind of summarizes what Scripture teaches about this idea of generosity and wisdom. And it's these three words here, give, save, live. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. And what that means is every time you get money, you say to your money, you're not my master, right? And I'll prove it to you. I'm going to give some of you away. And so you give first, right? And then you save second, and then you live on the rest. You give first, not when you're asked to give, not when you see some fundraiser, not not when you see some GoFundMe page for someone, and, and none of those things are bad. But you don't wait to give. Right? As soon as money comes your way, you say, money, I just want you to know God's my boss and I'm not your boss. So, or you're not my boss, so I'm just going to give you away. Right? And then you save second and you live on the rest. So here's the thing. Giving always, always, always results in joy. Giving results in joy. You don't get joy from discontentment, from greed, or debt. But giving always results in joy. And saving... You know this, right? Money in the bank leads to peace in the mind. Let me say it again. Money in the bank leads to peace in the mind. So saving results in peace, right? Giving is joy. Saving is peace. And debt, that doesn't result in peace. Discontentment, that doesn't result in peace. Greed certainly doesn't bring you peace. But when you choose to live on the rest, then you get freedom. You're financially free. You just choose to not spend more than you make. I mean, what a concept. You don't spend more than you make. And if you don't spend more than you make, Scripture teaches us, and you already know this, you are financially free. So Jesus is inviting you into all of this. And more money won't bring us more happiness. We talked about that. But the way you manage your money will This is how you make your money bring you happiness, right here. This is how you make your money make you happy. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. Now, imagine with me if you had been doing this for the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Imagine if you had done this your whole life. Anytime money came your way, you didn't wait for a fundraiser. You didn't wait to see some children on a screen. You you didn't have to see some commercial that just tugged at your heartstrings. Imagine every time that your money came to you, You just gave. You invested in God's kingdom. And then right after you did that, you saved and invested in your own kingdom. And then, and only then, you lived on the rest. Imagine that you'd been doing this your whole life. You would be happy, at least as it relates to your finances, you would be happy. So here's the thing. Most of you already know everything that I said. Most of you already know this would make you happy. Most of you grew up in some kind of church, and you've heard some version of the message that I'm telling you many times, right? You probably heard people give testimonials of how this has worked in their life. So there is something in you that knows this works. So the question is, if you're not doing this, why not? If this is what will bring happiness into your life, Why aren't you doing it? What is it in you that resists doing the thing that you know is true, or at least you suspect to be true? We all know that discontentment doesn't work. Greed doesn't work. Debt doesn't work. All of that 
is just a path towards increasing levels of unhappiness. And all of that just leads to fights in your marriage and stress during the day and waking up in the middle of the night with panic and worry about, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. We all know this. So why not do something different? Why not just stop doing those things and start doing the things that Scripture says will bring happiness? Why not test and see if what God says is actually true? Now, again, let me remind you, I don't want something from you. I really, truly want something for you. And one of the things that I want for you most is that you would experience happiness in the area that probably brings you the most stress and unhappiness. I want you to be genuinely happy when it comes to your finances. And again, I know that you're smart enough to know this. Discontentment didn't make you happy. Greed didn't make you happy. And debt certainly didn't make you happy. So just stop. Why wouldn't you stop and why would you not just start right now? Give, save, live. Give, save, live. So beginning with your next paycheck, just give and save, right? Just give and save. Boom. You give and you say to your money, I'm in control. God says give, so I give my money. You don't manage me anymore. You're not my master. I'm not going to be a slave to you. And you give and then you save, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not the amount that counts. It's the management that makes the difference. It's managing that makes all the difference. Money contributes to your happiness when and if you manage it well. Next week, we're going to pick up here as we pick up part two of the what-if experiment. Let me pray for you right here. Heavenly Father, we all instinctively know money is not the most important thing in life, but we all can get sucked into this trap of thinking just a little more will make me happier. So I pray for anyone today that's feeling the pressure of their finances, those that are under tremendous stress and, and maybe they lie awake at night filled with anxiety about bills and bank account balances. I pray for those marriages that are under attack because of some unwise financial decisions. Father, help us break the power of greed and discontentment. Help us to drill Jesus' words deep into our soul and give us the strength to give first, save second, and live on the rest. Help us to find happiness, not by always seeking after money, but in the active, actively managing the money that you have already given us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to somebody that you know, uh, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content, as well as liking and subscribing uh, to this YouTube channel, you're helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, could I ask you to head over to our website at nextlevelchurch.org. Here's your chance to do the first part of Give, Save, Live. Click that green Give button at the top and choose one of the giving options that's there. Your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play, and it helps you manage your money. Now, by way of benediction, let me read uh, this verse, Luke 16, 13, to us one more time. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved money. May you have the strength to choose God over your stuff 
And may you experience the happiness and joy and peace that comes from not being managed by discontentment, greed, or debt. Thanks for watching this, guys. Have a blessed week. I'm going to be praying for you. Can't wait to see you back next week.